Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome to a very, very, very special, exciting, some might say insufferable, Tate, edition of One Shining Podcast. Our alma maters are the two greatest programs in the country, Tate. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone is very excited. First, I want to mention that uh, TheRinger.com has an article that I wrote on there, and also GM Street is a podcast you can listen to and subscribe. Uh, It's on The Ringer Podcast Network. But Tate, where should we start? With just, I don't don't even know where to start. Um, Ohio State beats Purdue. Carolina beats Duke. The people, I I will say this, I guess. I'll start here. I think our listeners hate us. I think people do not want us to be happy. You and I were very happy when when our alma maters pulled off. Like, let's be honest. These were the two biggest wins of the week, this week. Um, And a lot of people, and we we tweeted something. We're like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about this week. And everyone said, I think I'm going to skip this one. I don't want to hear you guys be happy. What does that say about our listeners? It says that they're smart human beings and they understand what the problem is. <laughs> and it's because we have to talk about the news stories. We have to talk about the facts. We have to talk about what happened in college basketball. And it just so happens, ironically enough. It just so happens. It just so happens that North Carolina won and they beat Duke. And now they lead the rivalry in the past 101 meetings, 51 to 50. And they lead the whole series by two points. And it just so happens that Jay Sean Tate went up, missed a layup, and Kata Bates-Diop grabbed it and put it back in. It just so happens. Don't blame Do us. Want, we're just reporting the facts and talking yeah, about it. Yeah, we're like we would not be doing our jobs as journalists if we didn't report the two biggest games of of the season. Do we want to take it that far, Tate? Um, so I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'll admit uh, when when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, uh, the very first thought I had was I can't wait to hear Simmons talk about the Patriots <laughs> on his podcast. <laughs> and if they would have won, I would have been like, yeah, I'm definitely skipping that one. So I'm very hypocritical with this. And I understand that people don't want to hear us be excited, but uh, I'm very excited, Tate. Let's let's dive into this. Let's start with let's start with uh, we, we, we got to we got to have some sort of structure here. So let's start with. I guess the the game of the week, the game that everyone was watching and got like the most excited about, the one that got the the big ratings, the the, the best rivalry in college basketball. Some are saying, um, I'm talking, of course, about Ohio State Purdue. <laughs> uh, I, w- I want to start. Yep. There. <laughs> no, I want to start there for for first of all, for Ohio selfish State reasons. Purdue is like for selfish reasons. Secondly, Ohio State beating Purdue is the more surprising result. I mean. Purdue was favored by 10 points in this game. Mm-hmm. North Carolina was favored to beat Duke. So, I mean, my alma, if, if I can if I can be objective here for a second. So are you Ohio tipping State the scales? For, this is an upset. It's, that's sort what, that's of, what, it's an upset. That's why we're reporting on it. It's sort of a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Ohio State goes into Mackey Arena. We're down 14 at half, or not at half. <laughs> we're down 14 in the second half. Already with the Wii. Play. I love it. We... <laughs> Tate, do, need I remind you that I played at Ohio State while you were getting B pluses in African American <laughs> studies at North Carolina? Just just because you took the sham classes that the basketball players took doesn't mean you were on the team, Tate. Okay, hey. I as a, as a former in, player, in, in I, some I, ways I, I was enough. <laughs> as a former player, uh, I, have I mentioned that before on this podcast that I played? Um, we're down ten at, at, with ten minutes left, Tate. Or mm-hmm. down 14, I'm sorry, with 10 minutes left. At Mackey Arena, the craziest environment. All the Ohio State coaches like just are going nuts about like I've I couldn't I never ex- ex- anticipated an environment this crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Chris Holtman's talking about it. The assistant coaches that I, I saw at the shot the day after were telling me like that was nuts. I can't believe 
how crazy Macarena is. The bathrooms are insane. Some of them took a dump at the place, and they're like, wow, <laughs> you were right, Titus. Spacious bathrooms. You can get in and out very easily. Wash your hands. You're out of there. Um, but it looked like it was over. We're down We're down 14 with 10 minutes left. Purdue's got it going. The, the crowd's going nuts. But my man, Kata Bates-Diop, does not – he shuts down Vince Edwards. Uh, Chris Holtman just – Coach of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Can can you say that so it's not coming from an Ohio State guy? Chris Holman, national coach of the year, Tate. Uh, really? Who who? who <laughs> Chris Beard. Who, who are you picking above? Chris him? Beard. Chris, for what? Under what circle? For not why? having a beard. What has he done? Give the team number seven in the nation. If Ohio State, oh if Ohio State cracks the top ten, which I guess they will this week, then then I'll consider they it. They will. They will. So here's why. Chris Holman. First of all, he has. I guess St. John's might have two bigger wins, beating Duke and Villanova. But <laughs> other than that, Chris Holtman has wins now over Michigan State at home. He, we blew out Michigan State. And he beat Purdue at Purdue. Purdue was like the darling. I mean, Purdue, you had all the people talking. Is, is Purdue the best team in the country? I don't eh, I don't know. Is Purdue the, they, they haven't lost on American soil, folks. They've not lost in America. Purdue is, I just don't see how teams are, they're so balanced. I don't see how teams are going to beat these guys. We went to Mac Arena. And, I mean, St. John's going to, to Villanova, playing in the the freaking 76ers arena like that's that's nothing that's nothing compared to what ohio state just did um but holtman tate i don't know if you watch this game because it was on big 10 network and like seven people get big 10 network outside of the midwest but caleb wesson ohio state's starting big guy gets mm-hmm. in foul trouble he gets four fouls like immediately because isaac haas is seven foot three and 300 and pounds and just yes he puts his he puts his elbows up posts up just roots his ass down into the into the paint. Never gets called for three seconds. I'm not saying he should or he shouldn't. I'm just stating facts. The man has never been called in his career for a three second violation. Um, he's posting up. He's he's turning with his elbows into chess, drawing fouls. Our big man goes out. Chris Holtman's just cycling all these young, these green big guys that just have no like Micah Potter and Kyle Young's getting menaced, and they're just like. I, I like coach. This is too much. I don't know how you're, I'm supposed to guard this guy. And Chris Holtman says, you know what? What if I put six six. Andre Wesson on Isaac Haas the whole second half. Purdue was completely flustered. They didn't know how to handle a 6'6 guy guarding Isaac Haas. Isaac Haas and Matt Harms, the two seven-footers for Purdue, mm-hmm. Tate, combined for five rebounds the entire game. Two seven-footers, five rebounds. And Harms only played like 12 minutes, guy guy right? Harm, Harms didn't even play yeah, that much. And, well, they play. They never play together, but the, and there's always one of yeah. them on the floor, so they always combine for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they we, we put a 6'6 guy on him. We shut him down. Um it, it it was genius. Like Chris Holtman is just like cackling on the sidelines as as Ohio State's coming back with the freaking six six guy guarding guarding Isaac freaking Haas. Kata Bates Diop completely shuts down Vince Edwards. I mean, just unbelievable. I saw in the little the little shit talking thing that the the Purdue fans typed up. The Purdue students basically had had like a thing written up where they were talking about how Vince Edwards and uh, Dakota Mathias were both from Ohio, and that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And Listen, we, we got the better player. Like we didn't we didn't want Vince Edwards. We there's a reason Vince Edwards is not playing in Ohio State. We didn't want his bum ass in, in Scarlet and Gray. We wanted Kata Bates Diop, baby. Um, I don't even know. I'm I'm at a loss today. Like I'm so excited. I'll I'll say this. Like I stayed up till like three in the morning after the game because I was so jazzed up. Um, and it's just embarrassing. I, I I had the thought as I was falling asleep. It's embarrassing to me how much I allow 18 year olds to 22 year old kids trying to put a, a ball through a metal ring how much that affects my mood like the fact that i can like <laughs> i cannot fall asleep because these guys did this is just it's a sad it's kind of embarrassing for my life but um 
I don't know. I, I think hesitate. it's I think it's beautiful, and it also brought you back to Twitter. You had you had been on a hiatus. You hadn't mm. been responding to anyone. You were making me do your dirty work and be the middleman, um, and, and you know deliver you messages like it's the Pony Express. But luckily, you've uh, returned. It took a Kata Bates Diop put back lay in for you to come back to Twitter and back to the people, back to your seven percent of followers. And uh, I'm happy Shout you're back. Shout out to the 7%. Shout out to the 7%. Yeah, I'm the real back. 7%. I, I was watching it. I, I couldn't contain myself. I mean, I, I just like, I don't even know how to explain it. You wanted it. the was, love. I so excited and I for loved this it. team. Yeah, I, that's really what it was. Was was That's what brought me back. I, I, had the, I had the sense of guilt. It's like, how can I cover college basketball and not be on Twitter firing off my takes? <laughs> and then th- this brought me back. I mean, I just, I don't know. Everything about it was beautiful. There's the guy wearing the club chill shirt behind the Ohio State bench. Mm. Fantastic! Shout out to that guy. I'm glad you got my package in the mail, and I hope the the check cleared, and that's why you wore it. You um, definitely dropped you the bag. That. Yeah, I dropped the bag. Nice I was bag like, drop. I saw that, sir. Please wear this behind the bench and make it look like I don't know you. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, Turns out it's your brother, Chris. Yeah, Chris Holtman. Uh, cannot say enough great things about this guy. I'm so excited. People are like, th- this is pissing me off though. Tate. People are giving me shit because when. When when Mata got fired, yeah. I was not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, this is not the uh, the stance I thought you would take. When when Thad left, I thought that you would want Ohio State to have a down year just so everyone would know. No, it wasn't Thad's fault, you know. But now everyone's pointing well, to Thad and say Thad was holding him back. We know that KBD didn't play last year, and and Thad knew he was good, and Thad brought him there. So we we can't say we can't talk bad about Thad. But I, I just can't believe this whole change of tune. It makes me happy. Very, um, very positive that, so outlook. What's frustrating to me is that. People like Ohio State fans are are doing the Mata thing instead of like p- not everybody. Obviously, everyone's just happy. Like most of the people are just happy. But I have people like talking shit to me about Mata instead of just <laughs> being just ecstatic that the program. Like, oh my god, we we just beat the number three team in the country. We're gonna be in the top ten. This is so much better than anyone expected. Instead of having that, it's like, man, I knew we should have fired Mata. Which, by the way. I'm not the one saying that that was a bad decision. Chris Holtman himself, the man himself, the coach that you all want to kiss his feet, every time he gets in front of a microphone, he's like, Thad Mata left me a great group of guys. Thank you, Thad Mata. I cannot thank you. Like, th- this is literally every interview Chris Holtman has done this year is like, man, coach, you're really you're really doing this. No one saw this coming. How are you doing this? And the first thing he says is, well, Thad Mata was a great coach, and he left me a great group of guys, and Kata Bates-Diop is great, and I have nothing to do with any of this. And and listen, he's just doing the thing where he's being nice, and he's, you know, I understand all that, that he doesn't, you know, he's just playing the political game of of saying nice things about that, but he doesn't have to do that. He, he gets the deal. Like, at this point, Tate, asking Chris Holman, how do you keep pulling this off, is becoming an insult. Like, <laughs> Ohio State has, has proven that they're a good team. Am I wrong? Like... Th- that's what's happening after Chris, the- we just can't believe this. Please explain it. It makes no sense. How are you winning? That's awesome. It's driving me nuts. Like, I understand doing it after the Michigan State <laughs> game, but, like, Ohio State is, what, 12-1 and one now in the Big Ten. Yeah. We're leading the Big Ten. We, we've beat the two other best teams in the Big Ten. We're undefeated against the best teams in the Big Ten. Um, 21 wins. Uh, Come on. 21 wins. All of our losses, as I've said before, were all bullshit in various ways. <laughs> and also uh, would, against top teams in ACC, like North Carolina, by 14 at a neutral site. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Um, but no, it's like it's becoming like an insult. It's like, hey, Chris, how are you doing this? And he's like, what? What do you mean? How am I doing this? I have Kate Bates Diop, who's like a, the one of the three best players in the country at this point, best two way players. Like he he locks down Vince Edwards all night. Is is just I I don't even remember how many points he had, but he had the double double, like eighteen and eleven or something like that at Purdue. That's how you're doing. It. You have you have. Uh, Kata Bates D up. You have Jay Sean Tate, who's like an unbelievable college power forward and and 
is I I I want to kiss Jason Tate on the mouth like he's <laughs> like I'm Tom Brady and he's my son. Like, oh my God, watching watching how hard he plays and just how he you know he's going left. Literally everybody mm. in the arena knows yes. he's going left. Yes. And he still goes left and he still <laughs> scores. Like, how, what do you mean? How are we doing this? We're doing this because we're great. God damn it! That's what that's what Chris, I want Chris Holtman to say. I want the next time he's asked that we're doing this because we're great. Um, I, I can't even organize my thoughts, Tate. I'm so excited, but again, it's 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 alarming to me how kids this how how men how these young men playing a, a freaking game can like do this to my life like get me so excited and and if we would have lost I would have been miserable and yeah I'm gonna know. bring you down a so, little bit because the way that this do. game was reported uh, and talked about and discussed on the national landscape with the biggest game of the night obviously a 1.6 if you care about ratings uh, Duke North Carolina <laughs> uh, um, it was also an Olympics night so it was going up against NBC Olympics you know the, the, the big curling stuff is going on it, it pulls viewers away so this was a big game big rating night for North Carolina but they talked about the Ohio State Purdue game and I'm thinking they're going to talk about you know Kata Bates Diop making that amazing shot at the end the fact that Isaac Haas had a chance maybe to win the game at the end, gave it a good effort at least. Yes. You know, Carson Edwards has this 28 point performance, plays great. I thought they were going to talk about any of these things. And you know what they talked about instead, Mark Titus? I don't even know if you saw this. They talked about your boy, AD, AKA Andrew Dockage, the son of Dan <laughs> Dockage. And they talked about him making hustle plays, you know, when he tipped the ball back out mm-hmm. to the three point line for another possession. They talk about that. They yep. talk about uh, Jay Billis makes a joke that, you know, we know Dockage gets all of his talent from his mom. You know, everyone chuckles, everyone laughs. And to me, I was Great offended joke. because we should be talking about what you're talking about, which is Chris Holtman could be coach of the year. Katie Bates-Diop is now the best small forward probably in the country. And that, that's in a group that includes Miles Bridges, Mikel Bridges, all these other guys, Kevin Knox, whoever it is, put a name out there. Uh, and none of that stuff was discussed. So it made me sad for you that they had this moment, they had this okay. stage, and they didn't give it to you. So Dockage checks into the game and he has just an absolutely horrendous turnover to start. And I, I've said before that like I I like Andrew Dockage. He's a great kid. Everybody on the team in the in the program has nothing but great things to say about him. And as a player, like he knows exactly how good he is. Doesn't try to do anything. He, he he's you know not trying to do anything he can't do. Phenomenal, phenomenal season out of Andrew Dockage. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't cheer for him enough. He checks into the game though, and like the very first time he touches the ball, he throws it right. I forget who he threw it to on the Purdue, but just like a, a completely egregious turnover. You're like, what the hell? And it kind of had the vibe of, is this the moment where it all falls apart? Is the moment too big for Andrew Dockage playing in Mackey? He's from Indiana, uh, from Indianapolis, the suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, so he he grows up with Purdue. Like he's he's very well versed in Purdue and and the the history of Mackey and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, is this moment too big? And then we come to find out, Tate, it was not. He crossed up somebody. I I forget what the who the Purdue defender was that he Dockich like gets a ball on a fast break and does like an inside out behind the back crossover of a Purdue defender, throws a no look pass to Musa Jallo in the corner for three. And in that moment, I was like, I can't believe I ever doubted Andrew Dockich. <laughs> I can't believe it. The dude is he's he's honestly like he, most improved player in the country, which, by the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, Tate. Michigan, the last three years, if, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten this year, it'll be the third year in a row that Michi- a Michigan graduate transfer went to another Big Ten program and won the Big Ten. Yeah, it's a really weird, incestuous thing you guys got going it's on. It's unbelievable. Yeah, strange. Max Bielfeld goes to IU. They win the Big Ten. The next year, which was last year, yeah, Spike. Spike Albrecht yep. transfers from Michigan, goes to Purdue. They won the Big Ten. And then Andrew Dock Dockett transferred from Michigan to Ohio State. Now we're in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten. Um, Does Beeline have a transfer problem? 
Is that going to be the new thing? Yeah, ooh, ooh, headline. Yeah, let's write. <laughs> let's write that piece. Let's get that going. Does Beeline have a transfer problem? Uh, so I have a few things. So I, I'm obviously really excited about Ohio State. Um, I, I, I'm not like, I'm not like being delusional about this and thinking that we are a national title contender. I still don't think I want to take it that far yet, Tate. We're getting closer. We're in range. <laughs> I think we're definitely getting closer. I think you're elite eight final four range, right? Yeah. That's, that's what they would say. Yeah. If, if they did, what's I the ceiling I, of your team? I think we should definitely expect a sweet 16. Anything after that is gravy, uh, still at this point. Um, so I'm not, I'm not getting too crazy with it, but, uh, I, I want to talk about Purdue for a second and then we'll move on to the game that you're excited about. Thank you for bearing with me, Tate. I know how, how hard it is for you to keep it in your pants over there when you know what's coming. It's already but, out. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's already out and you're ready. Um, so Purdue has zero bench points in this game, and they only shot the only one bench player even shot uh, even took an attempt, and they played thirty one combined bench minutes. Um, Dakota Mathias has five turnovers. Vince Edwards was not good. Like basically, this game came down. PJ Thompson was terrible, terrible for five from three. Mm-hmm. Um, this game came down to Isaac Haas and Carson Edwards. Those were the guys for Purdue, and I think if you've watched Purdue long enough this season. That's not surprising. I I said before that that uh, Haas is the guy to me. Um, with all the talk about how balanced Purdue is, it's pretty clear that everything goes through Haas, and that the reason that other guys are open and hit threes, and they because Purdue you know is a great three point shooting team, and they have balanced scoring. All of that exists to me because Haas is so big and demands so much attention. And if he, God forbid, broke his ankle or something and couldn't play the rest of the season, Purdue would be just like they're done as a team versus like if, if it happened to another guy, I think they could still find a way to be all right. Um, but it comes down to, to Edwards and Haas and I have a lot of thoughts on Purdue um, moving forward. My first concern, I guess, is the Michigan state game tomorrow on, on Saturday is that they're, they're playing Michigan state. And I guess like Tom is, I, to me, this is the game that Tom Izzo has to put Nick Ward on the bench and let Jaron Jackson guard Haas because if you put Jackson on Haas, Jackson, who is the best defender in the Big Ten, can guard Haas one-on-one, can completely shut, and, and as I've said before, like it, everything runs through Haas. So if you get a guy that can, can guard Haas one-on-one and you don't have to double down on him and, and force rotation defensively, um, that's a huge plus. And Jackson can shoot threes, Tate. Jackson is going to rain threes all over Haas. Like this, I'm, I'm a li- the point I'm making is I'm a little bit concerned because... I don't feel great about Purdue going to Michigan State tomorrow. And is this, we know that the Purdue fan base is very pessimistic. They live in a permanent state of cynicism and waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the question now, Tate, is the other shoe about to drop? Is Purdue going to lose at Michigan State? Are you going to hear the collective groan from West Lafayette? Like, what the hell just happened? I thought we were about to win the national title and now we're going to be like a two seed. I don't know. I just don't know. I think it is a terrible matchup with Haas and Jackson, yeah. especially with Jackson shooting those corner threes and being able to pull him out because uh, that's what Haas does. He likes to just cloud the paint and uh, you know try to block shots. And he definitely doesn't want to go out to the three-point line. So Jackson, having to guard Jackson is pretty terrible. Um, I have a little bit of faith in Purdue. I think they're going to bounce back, or I believe they're going to bounce back. Michigan State is a team that's very up and down too. And this is it's sort of setting the stage for Michigan State to win this game. And I'm going to go the opposite way. And I think that uh, Purdue has a chance to bounce back. But, well, Everyone I mean, thinks yeah, that Purdue Michigan definitely. State's going to you know, bounce back, but it's going to be Purdue. That's what I believe. 
I mean, Purdue Purdue definitely has a chance, but their chance hinges to me on Tom Izzo playing Nick Ward. Like yes. you and I have been complaining about this all year. Keep playing him. If you put Nick, if you put Nick Ward on Isaac Haas, I, I, that plays this, into this is a his game favor. That Nick Ward, should, yes, that plays into their favor. Yeah, Nick, you you can't try to like like Nick Ward is basically Isaac Haas, but not as big. He might be like more skilled and more agile. I mean, he's not. He might, he might not be. It, uh, I don't mean that he might be more agile. He definitely is, but uh. He's basically, for for our purposes, he's basically the same player as Isaac Haas, more or less. Jaron Jackson is not. No. Jaron Jackson creates all sorts of problems. You put Miles Bridges on Vince Edwards, and th- I mean, I don't know. It, to, to me, like this is so obvious, and and it, it's, I'm a little concerned about Purdue tomorrow. Um, but th- they are good. I'm not giving up on them yet. It's just like the the problem with Purdue, as as I've said, even at the start of the season when they were playing well, is that. They don't have NBA talent. They don't have a guy that, I mean, Carson Edwards against Ohio State was great, and he's like the closest thing I think they have to throw the ball to him and let you go create something out of nothing. Um, but this this balance that, that we pretend is a great thing because you don't know where it's going to come from. Like Vince Edwards can score a lot, and Dakota Mathias can, and, and Haas, and like all these guys, you know, or whatever. If you really like actually watch Purdue – there aren't you, you can basically like switch everything one through four if you're if you have a solid even a decent defense mm-hmm. and, and you're playing man to man against Purdue just switch everything one through four because none of the guys on Purdue except maybe Carson Edwards when he gets going none of them are like good enough to exploit a mismatch like that you know like that they don't have the individual talent where it's like oh shit we just like Ohio State for example if 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 PJ Thompson gets switched on to Kata Bates Diop Ohio State can be like okay give the ball to Kata let him go kill this guy um. That Purdue's guys just to me aren't like talented enough to take care to take advantage of those mismatches, uh, and and that becomes a problem to me. And like I don't I don't know that, that I'm not I'm not out on Purdue. I still think Purdue's a great team, um, but I, I'm definitely more concerned, but especially the way that they let this slip away like that at, at home. And uh, I don't know. That's so. that's what I was gonna say. I'm not even gonna lie. They were up 14 in that game, and I sort of tuned out. And I, I changed the channel, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks." That you know, Ohio State's going to lose on the road, but sort of expected. And then I come back and I watch the last three minutes of the game, and uh, it was it was yeah. wild. So, congratulations, um, you Titus. I'm I, happy for you. One more, one more thought, and then we'll we'll get to your game. Uh, I I was surprised at at Purdue, like not just that they come like obviously anytime a team blows a 14 point lead with 10 minutes to play at home, it's kind of surprising. But Purdue felt to me like a team that would be hard to come back against um, from the games I've watched. Just you think about like, they have great th- free throw shooters. They play great defense. They're, they're the equivalent to me of like the football team that can build a lead and then just run the ball and milk the clock type thing. Um, so I was, I was definitely shocked that that kind of factored into it too, is that like Purdue takes care of the ball. They don't make a ton of mistakes. They don't, they weren't, they aren't a team to get rattled, but it almost like they, it's almost like they just kind of got bored once they got the big lead and let it slip away. And, that was to me like the big shocking thing beyond beyond Isaac Haas and Matt Harms getting five rebounds beyond a six six Andre Wesson guarding Isaac Haas beyond like Musa Jallo who whose name Tate you don't even know I keep saying Musa Jallo and you're like over there Google and like who the hell's Musa Jallo who does he keep talking about um, Musa Jallo going three for four from the three point line Wes Andre Wesson was killing from the three point line beyond all that to me it was like Purdue had a big lead they kind of just like stop playing and that just is not characteristic of a team that's supposed to be built on this idea of veteran guys who take care of the ball take like a business-like approach to the game and all that kind of stuff um it was just very very out of character and and i'm worried so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in east lansing tomorrow 
I need more Micah Buc- Potter coverage. Back, I need more Micah Potter coverage out of uh, <laughs> Ohio State. I'm not getting enough. I don't know what he's up to. I All know right, he's well, playing. He's got to be playing, right? Agent Micah Zero. Potter. Uh, he he's playing. Yeah, he he's he's not as good as wasn't he it, be, wasn't he a five star? Like I remember when he committed, and that that's weird he, enough. Yeah. Well, we, we've already we've already covered this, Tate. Everybody's a five star coming yeah, out of college. That's true. He, that's true. I, I'm I'm not sure what his problem necessarily is. He's he's good in in his small doses. Um, nice kid. He's a good guy. He he's a good guy. <laughs> oh, player. Good guy. Wow. Player there. Good guy. Poor Mike. <laughs> it's like I feel bad saying bad thing. Yeah. He, he's he's a good player. I don't know. He he could stretch the floor when he's hitting. He just kind of he kind of doubts himself sometimes, and then he gets inside his own head, and then things just snowball from there. But uh, no, he was all right against Peru. He came in, gave us some good minutes. See. Um, let's get into it, Tate. The floor is yours. Uh, the the I'm just gonna step away. You go ahead. You can take it from here. In the words of Wendell Carter Jr., are you ready for this? They came out and kicked our go ass. Ahead. Of course they did. Ooh. North Carolina Duke game last night. Duke comes out in this game. Mark Titus. They take an early lead. They're going inside. They're feeding Marvin Bagley, Trayvon Duval, or Trevon Duval, whoever you want to call him, whatever you want to say. Oh. Uh, either one. I know that. Uh. Coach K calls him Trayvon when he's not happy with him like he did after the game. Um, but anyways, Duke comes out early. They go inside. They're playing Carolina basketball up and down. North Carolina cannot stop them. But North Carolina did something that they have never done in the, the history of this rivalry that I've ever seen. They beat Duke basketball by playing Duke basketball. And I don't mm-hmm. understand. If, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. North Carolina has always had the, the better athletes, the, the more physical prowess to rebound, all these sort of things that they should dominate a game. But somehow, Duke was able to scrap out offensive rebounds, kick the ball out, hit threes, keep themselves in the game, and somehow or another, they would end up winning the game even though they weren't as talented as North Carolina. That used to be the formula, the protocol, everything that you can imagine Duke basketball to be. That's what it was. Last night, North Carolina did that to Duke. Kenny Williams, my man, just draining threes, hit six threes in this game. Duke had a 12-point lead at one point in the first half, uh, and they just completely let Carolina hang around in this game. Theo Pinson was guarding Marvin Bagley, was guarding him like he was a five-star recruit himself, you know, uh, and, and had a great game. Kitty Williams and Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson had 18 and 13. He was hitting threes. He was keeping Carolina in the game. Um, my, my biggest gripe with what happened last night was Grayson Allen, you know, he's he's this guy that's mm-hmm. supposed to be this senior leader. They couldn't do couldn't depend on Duval or Duval. They couldn't depend on him. They, Co- Coach K would not let him uh, run the point guard position. He actually pulled him early in the game for Jack White, our boy Jack White, hustle player, perfect Duke player to come in. Bolden even comes in at one point uh, in this game and has like six straight points. You know, eight, you know, ace in his pocket. Coach K always having that ready to ready to roll. Um, but North Carolina in this game. They just kept fighting back. And then in the second half, they come back and have this 14-0 spurt on 11 possessions where they take this big lead on, big lead on Duke. And Duke just looks shook. And Coach K, for the first time, I can say this in the past, probably 10 times that he's played Roy Williams, he actually got out coached because he got in his own head. You were talking about the lineup problems with Michigan State trying to figure it out and if they're going to go too big or whatnot. Coach K knew he had the advantage on the inside in this game. So he puts in Bolden. Bagley and Carter all at the same time 
And he puts all three of them Wait, in what? there. Yeah, yes. In the second half, he's trying to counteract North Carolina's guard. So he's like, I'm going to put in all three of my big men and, and I'm going to see if this works. This is going to kill them in the post. And, you know, he's kind of trying to get you at the heart because that's what Carolina does. So seeing those three big guys out there and not being able to guard them really, really hurts us because that's, that's what we expect from ourselves. But, anyways, he does that. Cam Johnson, Theo Pinson, those boys man up. Cam Johnson's guarding Marvin Bagley. He got himself in a discussion to get drafted last night with how he guarded Bagley uh, in some of those possessions. Theo Pinson's guarding Wendell Carter. And then North Carolina starts running the break and, and getting in the fast break against Duke with those big guys out there. They, they get on a nice little run. They get a big lead. Joel Berry, Kenny Williams hit some big threes in the second half. And all of a sudden, Duke just got out-Duke by North Carolina. And I've never seen this happen ever. Grayson Allen fell for about 15 pump fakes. That's what Grayson Allen does to North Carolina <laughs> players. He pump fakes and he drives and he, and, he, and he throws his head back and he gets a foul. And North Carolina did that to Grayson Allen so many times with him trying to close out the three-point line. It was beautiful to witness. I can't believe it happened. Uh, it was a fun ride. I, I, don't, I don't even want to boast because I cannot believe that it happened. I did not expect it to happen. And Luke May had a horrible game, you know? That's the other yeah, thing. That's like, it, it, it wasn't even Luke May that did this. And that's what I, we thought it had to be Luke May having an otherworldly game where he puts up 30 points. But uh, it, it was wild, and I, I can't believe it happened. The Joel Berry uh, play towards the end of the game where he hooked Grayson's arm as he was driving and got the foul call on Grayson. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was amazing. And then Grayson basically blowing the game on a turnover that he just throws right to – I forget who he threw. Kenny Williams. Um, Great steal. Yeah, Kenny Williams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just throws it, like, right to him. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I, I – I, uh, I don't, even, I don't even know where to start. I mean, you, you kind of hit it all, Tate. It was to, to me, that's what I was watching. And I couldn't believe that Duke had basically become Carolina and Carolina had become Duke. That was it was very, very weird. I, I, there's not there's no there's no trap in college basketball bigger than having a huge size advantage over the other team. Mm-hmm. Like that is like coaches, every single coach in the country falls for this trap. You and I have talked about it forever. As as you brought up that we talked about it with Michigan State. It's the problem that Arizona has. Sean Miller's had this problem forever. Purdue sort of had the problem against Ohio State where it, it never in a million years crossed Matt Painter's mind to take out Haas and Harms and just be and be like, okay, if Ohio State, if their tallest player is going to be 6'8", why don't we just make our tallest player 6'8 and match them? It was like, no, if their tallest player is 6'8", we got to play the seven-footer and have the huge size advantage. And this is just a trap that, like, like, does it ever work? Does the team that ever has, like, the huge size advantage over the other team, where one team is going small and trying to shoot threes and spread the floor, and the other team is like, we're just going to kill them in the paint? I feel like it never, ever works. It probably does, but it's, it's probably just confirmation bias. But it feels like this happens all the time where you look at a, a team like that and say, I mean, this was like Florida State's thing a couple years ago. Why, mm-hmm. when, you were, when you thought they were, like, the best team in the country— <laughs> With the Johnny Isaac team, you're like, just look at that lineup. They got Ojo and Isaac, and like, they have all these massive guys. And it's like, well, this never ever works in college basketball. Um, it's sort of Texas A and M's problem mm-hmm. that they've had. They've Too had many a lot big of guys. Problems, but they have, yeah, they have a ton of big guys. Uh, so yeah, that 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 was that was interesting to see K fall into that trap. But that's K is doing this. You, I don't know. I I, I mean, I, I feel like a broken record at this point. But when you and I complain about Duke, or or when the whole Zion thing came up, and we were we were bitching about the recruits, it wasn't coming from a place of of being a hater and being jealous. Like I, I genuinely am not jealous of Duke. Like they, they their program is in a state of turmoil. That's that's what and and <laughs> no one wants to talk about it. But you and I, like I don't know how else to explain it, Tate. Like. 
They have they have no freaking identity whatsoever. This entire program has no identity except like just get talented guys and hope that they give a shit. And guess what, Tate? They don't give a shit. None of them give a shit. None of them have given a shit. In 2015, they gave a shit, and that was an anomaly. And like Duke hit the lottery because you had a guy in Tyus Jones who was a freshman point guard who was like the only freshman point guard in the history of college basketball who who knew everything ass. and everything and yeah. what to do at all times. Every situation yeah, like he knew the, what to those, do. Those don't exist. They lucked out. I don't mean lucked out like they didn't deserve it or whatever. I mean lucked like lucked out as in, you you know you know the point I'm trying to make. They, they, they get, got a 19 year old kid you, that's ready to lead a team to a championship. That doesn't right. happen often. You get justice. You, you get Justice Winslow who actually started wanting to play defense and became like a point <laughs> of pride for him. You get Jaleel Okafor who was like I swear to God Jaleel Okafor was the greatest low post offensive 19 year old I've seen in my entire life. And that sounds I know I threw a lot of qualifiers onto that one, but. I, like the post moves that man had were unfreaking believable. The point is, like all these stars sort of aligned in 2015, and and the the, the idea that oh we can do that again, let's just try that every year because that was fun. It's it doesn't work. It's it hasn't worked, and it's not. I mean, I famous last words, I guess that 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 I I'm gonna say that, and then Duke's gonna go on a run in the tournament and win the national title this year. But like to me, like Duke has no heart. They have no identity. They're going to do it again next year, and it's it's just like crazy to me that Coach K who is obviously a smart man, obviously a successful man, has reached this point in his career where he's just throwing shit against the wall and hoping something sticks. And it's like, dude, you've been doing this for 40 years and you're the greatest to ever do it. Why? How did we reach this point where you're just throwing shit against the wall? I don't understand it. In the words of Coach K, Mark, we just haven't executed what we have diagrammed. That's what he said after the game. We haven't executed what we have <laughs> diagrammed. Uh, and that was that was the big qualifier that I had with this team. I watched all of Shashevsky's post game stuff. I enjoy I enjoy seeing him talk. Um, he said at the start of the second half we did not execute what we had diagrammed at halftime, and then he he he, was, he followed that with then boom boom boom. That was what he, that's how he described what happened. Mm. Boom boom boom. So you take he that did, for what it is. He uh, gave. <laughs> he did the yada yada yada. The yada the yada yada. yada. <laughs> then boom boom boom. He also had the quickest handshake in, in the history of North Carolina Duke basketball. As soon as they lost last night, like I don't even think he touched Roy's hand. He just graced it as he sped walked by him uh, straight mm-hmm. to the locker room. Uh, the the interesting thing about this Duke team after the game, right? So this this is all the fallout. You get a lot of these stories come out of the locker room. So Duval or Duval apparently went back uh, at the half and. Uh, he said a lot of the players, a lot of the Duke players were very upset treating the game like a funeral. And he tried to make a joke with bench players um, trying to lift the mood after the loss. Um, and then he he jumped on Twitter apparently right after the game and uh, retweeted his big dunk, you know, that he had that highlight dunk where Garrison Brooks, you know, ran out of the way <laughs> yeah, just so yeah. he wasn't on a poster, which was, I guess, smart. But also he should have tackled him uh, if, if he was trying to be a real post player, but whatever. Um, so Duval apparently was this this big problem that, um, you know, he wasn't upset. And then Wendell Carter in his post game, he, he was like, we become we become individuals. Uh, most of our losses this year is when we become individuals and we don't play like a team. Uh, and, and Marvin Bagley after the game, you know, was very upset, said this hurts. He had 15 and 16. Uh, but, you know, he said, especially losing to a to to a team like this, which is a little bit of a, a shady Ooh. comment back in North Ooh. Carolina which I like because that's good for the rivalry. But I, I think it's weird with these young guys on this Duke team. You talk about the loss of identity. They used to care about this game so much more than any other game for whatever reason. Like, Kay would throw a game to Virginia Tech before they played Carolina just so his team would right. have something to gear themselves up in this game. But instead, you know, they lose to the Johnnies up in MSG. You think they're going to be fired up coming into this game. But instead, they let North Carolina get 15 offensive rebounds. 
when you have Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley and you let Theo Pinson and Cam Johnson box you out consistently and get 15 offensive rebounds? That's insane. That's, that's, that crazy. is not what Duke basketball does. They dive on the floor for these things. But instead, you saw Cam Johnson diving on the floor. You saw Kenny Williams diving on the floor. You saw Andrew Playtech, you know, eating cereal on the sideline. Uh, thank God he wasn't in the game very much. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was crazy. I can't believe Kay wasn't more fired up. I mean, I thought his face would be as red as a beat like it always is. But he just seemed almost like they're thinking about the national title. They're, they're beyond well, he it. Knew, they're, he, they're, they're playing like North he, Carolina. It pisses me off. He, yeah, K knew that that it was the second biggest game of the week, and it was like you know just, <laughs> he, he had talked to Jay he Williams. Knew, Tell him it's the second yeah, biggest like, game uh, of the week, please, Jay. Ohio State Purdue mattered more, and K knew it, and he just didn't want to. <laughs> that again, like you and I, you don't even hate Duke anymore, and that like, all the time that we talk about Duke, and I know people are are doing the jerk off motion listening to us right now. They're like, here we go again with the Duke shit. Um, but but it's it's. Honestly, it's not from like the 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 boilerplate version of Duke hatred, where it's like I hate those guys because they're better than my program, and I'm just like some deep seated jealousy thing. It's just like for, for me, it's frustration because of of everything we've already talked about. Like the, the idea that Duke could go into Chapel Hill in a game that that they kind of need. Like they've they've now lost three or four. Like they, it's not like the season's over, but. That was a big game, obviously, beyond like the rivalry. Like this was a huge opportunity for Duke to kind of right the ship. Uh obviously a big game for Carolina. And for Duke to just like not care and to just not it's it's it blows the mind. I don't understand it. I don't know, I don't know how we got to this point. And that, that becomes frustrating for me because Duke is the brand in college basketball. It, it I, I hate to say it, Tate, but they are the brand. They have you you mentioned Duke. They're more so than Kentucky. Everybody has an opinion on Duke. Everybody talks about Duke, and for knowing this, like I I get drawn to Duke. Like if I'm going to cover college basketball, I have to watch a lot of Duke. I have to follow Duke. I have to know what's going on with Duke, and to see a team like this that I I kind of become close to. Not not that I'm cheering for them or I hate them or whatever, but I just over the last eight or whatever years I've been doing this for a living, I watch a ton of Duke basketball, and to see them like reach this point where you're going into Chapel Hill and you just kind of don't give a shit is just, it, it, it's disappointing. And it's, it's, I don't know. I can give you a perfect example of what the problem is. Last night as we're watching this game, you know, there's usually two or three big name guys from, from whatever side of the rivalry that are, that are going to be at these games. You know, sometimes it's, it'll be Rob Lowe is there to watch for Duke or Tony Romo and Jason Garrett are there to watch for Duke or Peyton Manning's there to watch for Duke. But North Carolina, you know, yeah. there's Antoine Jamison that, that's there to watch for North Carolina. There might be Julius Peppers there to watch for North Carolina. So when Kay had, behind Kay's bench, behind Duke's bench, it was Antoine Jamison and David Robinson. They're standing right next to each other. And it, it's the perfect example of the difference right now. It's Kay wants to have David Robinson, not because he played at Duke or is a part of Duke basketball, but he got his son to come to Duke who doesn't even play, sits on the bench, but he wants David Robinson to be there to be the face of Duke. You know, that's good for the brand. We have David Robinson. Right. We have the Admiral behind us. You know, this is this is who we have to show. You know, it's like almost you're paying some, it's like you're paying him to be there to like sign autographs and be the face of the program or whatever. And then you got Antoine Jameson who's just there in a t-shirt, just wants to watch Carolina game, standing next to him. And these two guys, and that's who Duke wants to put a forward face. They want to have a face of this, this program to be not what it is and that's that's what i'm talking about that's and uh yeah you're right that, that's that's what we accuse or i i at least do i accuse calipari of is that you're not it's almost like they're playing a different game like they're not trying to win basketball games they're trying to build a brand and create this aura around the program and 
it's it's just it's it's very bizarre to see. I don't know. It's disappointing. Did you see uh Dickie V um on Twitter <laughs> yes. after the game? Yes. Was just everybody's tweet is like it's not the same without you and he's like thank you baby appreciate it <laughs> oh baby wish i was in the temple hill right now oh my god it's so fun like dickie v just going right at his bosses he was just tweeting like, straight it straight up at, retweeted. he was tweeting it at the espn pr people he was adding them yeah <laughs> just so they could see it He's not wrong, by the way. Like, why can't we have Dickie V there? Why make him do the sideline thing? Make him do the, you know how like they'll they'll, they'll make uh, Greenberg sometimes. He'll do the coaches' interviews like in the middle of the the timeouts. Like it's yeah, the, like it's the like NBA he's a sideline and, reporter. Yeah, like he's Doris Burke. Yeah, and the uh, the coaches like the college coaches don't stand for that shit. They look at Greenberg like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Uh, they should make Dickie V do that during the Duke Carolina game. Just like at the under twelve timeout in the first half, you just like pop your head into the Carolina huddle and you're like, Roy, 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 can I talk to me about it? <laughs> talk hey, to me about how it's going out Remember there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they, they got to have him in there somehow, or like let let him take over the social media for the night. Like t- send him to the game and let him just like use the ESPN social media something or other. I don't know. Just just let the man feel like he's a part because <laughs> it does. I don't know. It's sort of sad to see him. He worked so hard to get himself to be uh-huh. ingrained in the fabric of that rivalry, and you just took him off of it. You gave it to Billis. Um, Should we talk about, can we talk about the game? After? First of all, my final thought on North Carolina, this was such a huge win for the program. It was payback for the ACC tournament last year. Uh, they needed this win. Roy needed this win. Is it a program win? win? It's, a, it's a program win. Is it win. a program win? It's, Are you ready a, to say? It's a statement win for the rivalry. It, get, it tips the scales back in their favor. Uh, Roy, after the game, you know, he said, I can celebrate better than anybody, baby. Uh, you know, great to see that. Uh, and, and that's all that matters. But I want to talk about the lead up to the Arizona-UCLA game because Bill Walton was, he was on another level last night. Oh, the, the, you want to you talk about a game that wasn't Ohio State or North Carolina? <laughs> yes. Why, Shockingly. Why would you want to do that? You know, just be a little different. Just throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. First of what all, are your, what are your Bill Walton thoughts? Bill Walton, we know the man tie dyes his own shirts, but I want to be there. We we should make this happen. I want to be there when he gets the Pac-12 Network shirt sent to him, and it's just a regular black polo, and he spends the day tie dyeing the shirt. I want to be there for that process. I just want to mm. see what it's like. I want to see how he goes through everything. I want to figure that out. But besides all that, he was uh, on another level talking about UCLA. I think he got three or four players' names wrong leading in. Like, you know, like Shulman and Billis threw it to him, like a little toss leading into the game. He got three, the- three or four players' names wrong, and then he got, <laughs> then he got mad at Pash for calling him out for it. And, and it was like this, this funny 30-second 30, 30 thing in between the game. It was like, I cannot wait to watch that argument start uh, as soon as this game is over. I think I was just like in a euphoric mood, so everything that Bill Walton was doing was hilarious to me. Um, but and then and then UCLA gets the win, so I was happy for for the whole Walton. Yeah, family, except for Luke, I guess. You still like kicked Arizona's ass. They didn't just get the win; they kicked their ass the entire game. I'm. It was so bad that I, I'm definitely out on Arizona now. I'm officially <laughs> saying I'm out. It took me a while. Like I, I think I was the last guy that wasn't out yet. The rest of the country was, and I was like, yeah, but they got DeAndre Ayton. And they have those. They have the big. I was falling into the big man trap, like Sean Miller falls into. I was like, they got the two seven footers. They're they're good, man. Just you know, they'll figure it. They'll out. They'll figure it out. But I'm out. They they got their asses absolutely kicked in a rivalry game. Uh, my favorite Walton moment last night was uh, his little rant about the chairs mm, about how yes. uh, you. See, I don't I don't know if you heard that where they go to a timeout and they, the managers come out with the uh, the little foldy chairs, the stools that the players sit on. Because you can't, you can't do the timeout on the bench. Yeah, you can't just sit on the you bench to, and like, get talked to. You got to come out on the court and make it a whole yeah, process. And yeah. yeah, it's it's so funny. But yeah, so Walt, Walton just goes in on the chairs and like his spinal surgery and how 
it, it actually messes with my mind a little bit. He, he, I'm sitting on the couch watching this, and he's like, the, the first thing back doctors will tell you <laughs> it's, is... It's, it's bad for the back. <laughs> yeah, it's bad for the back if your your hips are below your knees when you're sitting down. And, like, he got me, Tate. Like, as soon as he said that, I looked down. I'm like, shit, are my hips below my knees? Like, and I start, <laughs> I start evaluating my posture as I'm talking about it. But it was so funny. He just goes in on, a, on the chairs. And, and why, why do these guys... These athletes have to sit on these tiny chairs and... Um, I don't know. Walton's the best. I I, I don't under. I mean, I, I that's one thing I'll never understand are the people that hate Walton. Yes. Um, Pac twelve after dark. I guess I also say that he's he's never called my game at uh, my team's game though. So I guess there's that caveat. If if you ever called a team that I like, oh, I, I might. Feel the, the North Carolina Michigan State game will never die. Uh, it is probably the most hated broadcast I, I can imagine that's happened in the past hey, ten years. I have I have one more thought on. Actually, t- two more points I want to bring up on the the Duke Carolina thing. Go back to that. The d- 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 Duke. I saw the stat, and I'm I'm gonna stat sh- or confirm it with you because I don't want to actually do the work to confirm it myself. Nice. Duke shot two two point field goals in like the final twelve minutes. <laughs> yes. Is that true? Yes. I'm t- I'm telling you, it's like when you're when you're facing a robot and you do and it just like it just recircuits and 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 it just blows up. That's what happened at Duke last night. I mean, they got yeah. so then, shook by the fact that North Carolina was beating them playing their style of basketball, especially Grayson. But they, and, and then they just they were killing. They it, tried to go back to it. They were, they're killing in the paint, and then they go back to yeah. Then they just start jacking threes. Um, and then the Duval, Duval thing, as you brought up like thirty times, I can't, I can't take it anymore. I'm not, I, no one knows. I, I don't understand it. We can't call, we can't call him Duval. I can't do it. I'm calling it's, him it's Duval. I'm calling unless, him Trevon Duval. Because I'll say, I'll say the first it, name like, right. But the last name is Duval. It's not Duval. Should we should we do it sarcastically? Like du, Duval. Like it just over purposely. Oh, Duval. Yeah, like that. We'll like, do it like that. I don't know. Why not? I, I think he has to make he has to make more than one jump shot in a game for me to start calling him Duval. That's that's my standard. So at least he was anyway, excited about um, the dunk. Huge week for Ohio State, North Carolina. It would be I I mean, it everything's just coming up one shining podcast. Titus and Tate are feeling great about life right now. Could you imagine, Tate, if Carolina and Ohio State ended up playing this year at some point? Wouldn't that be wild? And we were at the Wouldn't game. That'd just be a crazy. That'd be wild. Wouldn't that be crazy? If, <laughs> if, I wonder what would happen in the game like that. We, the world will never know. Um, let's take a break. Get to our dirty laundry segment. The thing that everybody's fast forwarding to. Kyle, you should. Uh, when, when you when we post this, you should give a, a false timestamp to everybody because no one wants to listen to Tate and I jerk each other off. Say we, it starts at the seven minute Carolina. mark. Seven minute mark. <laughs> just be like, yeah. Just be like, yeah. The, the dirty laundry right. segment starts at seven minutes. Seven, <laughs> right in, in right in it. We, we only so, we covered five minutes of the games. It was well, rapid. Do do game rapid reactions and then dirty laundry at seven minutes. Yeah, we'll we'll take a break. Do the dirty laundry. Do some shout outs. Wrap this thing up, Tate. Thanks to SeatGeek for dropping the bag. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed, nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, Titus. Do you? I definitely do. Nice. I do. Did you use it to go to the Butler game when you were in Indianapolis? No, I I, I was too late. I didn't wow. realize there. I thought yeah, you were a Capital J journalist. I guess not it, this it, time. That that ended up being a that ended up being a great game too. By the way, went to overtime. Xavier won at Butler. Yeah, I should have used SeatGeek. Yeah, blew it. The four point play. It was beautiful. 
Uh, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, that was a double entendre, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners of One Shining Podcast get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download, yeah, exactly. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP today. That's promo code OSP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Use the $20. uh, Come to the three-on-three tournament that Tate and I are hosting. Yes. Yes. Get those tickets tickets. on SeatGeek, $20. They're not going to cost more than $20, are they? Not at all. Just use the the promo code for the Final Four for the three-on-three. You get free tickets. Come watch Tate and I host the three-on-three thing. Yeah, there you go. Done. See? Seat Geek. Right seat right now, right from your phone, and right in San Antonio. You can see Mark Titus and myself live uh, talking to who we're going to talk to. Probably Bonzi and Farrell a lot, I would suspect. It's time for uh, Dirty Laundry, everyone's favorite segment. It's uh, if, if, if I can inflate our heads a little bit, some are calling it the best segment on the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, I don't know if I want to take it that far. Other people are saying that we're not. We're, we certainly wouldn't have the balls to say that. I would take, never but, say that. Uh, I would never ever say that. Um, for those who are just tuning in, those who don't know the deal, uh, we 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 love reading. We, we have people. We have our direct messages open on Twitter at, at one shiny pod, um, and we're asking the listeners send in your stories about being a manager uh, or just being around a basketball team. Th- those work too because a lot of them. A lot of stories end up being like, I'm not a manager, but I had class with a basketball player. We'll take those two. But it's the idea was supposed to be managers. Uh, send us your stories. Again, I can't reiterate it enough. Do not do not include names unless it's like something that's flattering. Unless it's like, yeah, this coach gave me $100 or something. But if it's like this head coach tried to fight me one time, like I, we can't talk about that. So um, we, 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 we love reading these stories. We're very excited to do it. We, By the way, Kyle, is your microphone on? Yes, sir. Kyle, we are are we doing are, are we doing a thing with like t-shirts or something? How do we got to figure this out? We got to just get the budget. I mean, <laughs> I've been moonlighting. I've been doing terrible find- things to to get this money to get to get these. Thanks, Kyle. People, thanks for selling your body for us. It's just not enough, you know. Kyle, we had I had a few complaints from people saying that we should we should talk, have you talk more because like people hear you laugh and every so often you comment. So I'm trying to get you to talk more, and I thought figure we ask you like. This this seems like your job as the producer. We got to get these t shirts out to these people. And give, give people give people t shirts or duffel bags for uh for uh, the best stories. Am I wrong, Tate? No, you're right. I actually had some guy send me the most vague uh, message on Twitter or actually Instagram. He just said, "You need shirts?" Question mark in all caps. I got you. And I I didn't know to respond to that. So I <laughs> I didn't know who it was. He was from another country. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll reach back out to him. Is, we it, get like, shirts. is it like when that guy in the street passes you his mixtape and then he wants ten dollars? Yeah, like I think so. I think so. I think if I respond, I lose a hundred dollars or something. I'm not sure. We need we need to get on this. We're gonna eventually give stuff to the to the best story, but uh, you'll have to tweet to Kyle. You'll have to <laughs> bother Kyle about it, um, because it's Kyle's job. Sorry, Kyle. Uh. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Are you ready? Yep. I went to a power conference school that has somewhat returned to prominence. I was a junior when we landed a top 15 freshman class. I was walking with my girlfriend back from class when I had to run up to my room to grab something. I came back to see her talking with one of the freshmen on the team. He looked at me, said, is this the dude that made you wait? She said, this is my boyfriend. He looks back at me and says, I'll fucking crush you, bro. (laughs) He was about a... (laughs) 
<laughs> he was about a foot taller than me, so I said nice to meet you and walked away as he yelled, you know who the fuck I am, sweetie? Come get with the star at my girlfriend. My girlfriend's brother was a manager on the team and later that day told me that the player had just found out that he was academically ineligible at practice that morning and the coach asked him to spell the word eligible in front of the entire team. Oh, no. He could not... <laughs> What a great coach. He could not do that. So he took his anger out on me. Fortunately, I didn't get my ass kicked. That's a great, yeah. I love that. Great coach. Good job, coach. Um, When I was a freshman at an A-10 school, the women's team was looking for a temporary manager who could scrimmage the girls' squad in exchange for a jersey and shoes. The coach wanted us to slow the ball down and pound the ball down low to prepare. I, I can't tell if that's supposed to be some sort of like double entendre. There. Yeah, slow I think so. Slow the ball so. down and pound the ball. Yeah, Sounds like it pound the ball down low to prepare for a big front line for an upcoming opponent. Instead, we just wanted to pad our stats and the four other dudes and I pushed the tempo and fired transition threes. <laughs> the coach called practice early and told us to leave. The next day, the actual managers called all of us and asked for our shoes back. I still have mine. <laughs> That's nice. So That's the guy nice. just like basically, you got asked to, to, to go practice and he goes in and just starts jacking threes and steals shoes and, and is on his way. That's nice. I like that. A few years ago, I was working for the radio broadcast for a Southeast mid-major team. We pre-recorded the coach's conversations for the pregame show. While doing that, the broadcaster, for some unknown reason, asked if the coach handled his junk last night. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? I That's definitely a I double entendre. I assume he means the day-to-day -day tasks of being a coach. Mm. But the coach, then, the coach then responds, oh, I handled it well, in a very sexual tone. The entire situation stunned everyone in the back studio, but more importantly, creeped us all the hell out. To put the icing on the cake, I was able to grab my phone and take a quick video of the interaction happening. I still have it to this day. Okay, first of all, send us the audio so we can play yeah, this. Yeah, send us the video. Me. I want both. Secondly, this has to be Mark Godfrey, right, Tate? <laughs> it's mid-major, though. Godfrey's only major. Mid-major, yeah. Is, is Alabama? Is Al yeah. yeah, that's true. Alabama is not I guess <laughs> Alabama basketball may have been mid-major back <laughs> it, then. At, at the time, Alabama may have been considered a mid-major. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Relaford. I'm currently I'm currently a manager for an awful West Coast Power Five school, and this semester I have class with our two guards. The class requires a lot of group work, and the teacher told us to get in groups. So I I ended up working with the two guards and two of their buddies. One is on the football team, and one is on the women's team. The first day of group work did not go well. They all talked about nothing and forced me to take charge as the group leader. I tried to divide up the work evenly, and they just told me, you know what? You, oh, they just told me, you know we're, we aren't going to do this, right? <laughs> so what should I do as I am still in this class? Do I email the professor that I want to switch groups and ruin my relationship with the players, or do I take this head on and do all of the work for a five-man group project? <laughs> so this one's a little advice, Tate. This man is seeking advice from you and I. You do the work. Basically. You do the work. I think you just do the work. Yeah, you do it, the work. it depends on. Don't it, quit. Don't be a quitter. It also depends on like. It depends on how good the team is, and he says it's an awful team, but I guess it, it depends on like who is in this group. Is yeah. there a guy that might play in the NBA? It, like you don't you definitely don't want to soil that relationship. Like it, it, think about it like this: if you're at Colorado and this is Alec Burks, you know he's going to go to the NBA. Mm -hmm. So help out Alec Burks. Right. You know, think about the next level. Don't think about just the team right now because it, it's not going to work. Think about the parties. Think about the parties. Says says producer. Think about Kyle. the party. Yeah. Come on. Says, says Kyle. <laughs> The hookups. Yeah, that, that's my that's my advice. By the way, I've been on I was on the other end of that when I was when I was a basketball player. I I did the exact same stuff where it's like, I'm not doing this assignment. You understand that, right? Like every <laughs> every group project. I was the worst group project member in college history. Absolutely awful. Cause especially because I think a lot of people thought that were in my classes, they thought because I was a walk-on, 
and I I was semi smart, like I got decent grades and actually went to class. Well, sometimes uh, they they thought that I was actually going to contribute and I wouldn't do the, the the stereotypical athlete thing and just be like, nah, screw school. I'm not I'm not trying to do this bullshit. Um, but they were sorely mistaken. We would get in those groups. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm an athlete. It's, I've 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 earned this right to not do this. It's actually worse um, when you're not an athlete and you have that you know that mindset. So at least you had that to fall on. All right, so this this guy says, this story comes from my brief D3, D3 hoops career. Mm. One night after practice, I decided to stay after and get some extra shots up. One of our managers was kind enough to stay and rebound for me. In our facility, the locker room showers were on one side of the gym and the coach's office was on another. There was a connecting hallway between the two, but the shortest route between the coach's office and the locker room was a straight line across the baseline. I say this because during my workout, our head coach, who was a chunky middle-aged man, comes out of the locker room walking across the baseline wearing nothing but a towel. He just nodded at the manager and I. As my luck would have it, a long rebound comes his way. As our head coach goes to reach to grab the ball, his towel falls straight to the ground. He did not blink or break stride, simply passed the ball to the manager, told us to, quote, keep up the good work, and continued his walk to the coach's office completely naked, leaving the towel on the court. (laughs) The... The manager and I left the towel on the ground, refusing to touch it. The next day at practice, the towel was in the same spot. An assistant coach yelled, someone come get this fucking towel off the ground. (laughs) The manager, who had been with me the night before, shook his head, sauntered over and picked up the towel, which had become so crusty overnight that it did not move when he picked it up. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is a... That's actual dirty laundry. I like these stories. Yeah, that's an actual dirty laundry story. I like these stories because... I just love the coaches. I love this idea of coaches like this who just don't give a shit. We we did a story before about the coach like drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and had a towel around it in the locker room and like a manager walked up. He's like, yeah, come on in. They just chatted up. That is, there's just something about like that old man at the gym at the at the YMCA who just gets naked in front of the rest of the the, the young guys and just has his balls hanging down to his knees and it's I don't know. These stories just crack my shit up. This is like something Rick Majerus would do, by the way. Yes. We know he has a history with... Was Rick Majerus... Can we fact check this? Was Rick Majerus a D3 guy? We, he has a history of shitting in the towel. You know that story, right, Tate? That he, Where, he shit in a towel and handed it to a manager. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know this story? No. I, I swear you know this. He, well, the story goes one time, like he was he was in the middle of a coach's meeting and he's he basically like had to take a shit, but he didn't want to leave the meeting. So he had a manager give him a towel and he just shit what the did towel else and then handed it back to the manager. Why is this meeting so important? Can we wait? Can we can we take a five minute bathroom yeah. break? Oh man, that's so the power th- move. That's what this made me Way to go, Rick. This made me think of Bajaris. All right, so we're getting we're getting into my favorites now. These are these are getting close to my favorites. I'm saving my favorite for last, but this is like these are the honorable mention favorites. It was my freshman year as a manager and the team was heading to an early season tournament across the country and I didn't make the travel squad. I got a call after we lose in the first game of the tournament from assistant coach and he asked if I can help with a huge project that our head coach wants to have completed by the time the team returns to campus. With the final four being in Houston, coach wanted me to go out and build a homemade raft to symbolize the team floating together and getting on board when the storm comes and the waters rise. (laughs) (laughs) First semester, it was it was the first semester freshman me bought in 100%. So he's saying like, yeah, as, as a first semester freshman, I was in 100% on this. Mm-hmm. I spent the next 48 hours in the woods around campus chopping down trees and at the hardware store buying rope. I get all of my supplies together in the locker room and start putting together this terrible raft. This thing would have sunk in a heartbeat if Tom Hanks tried to take it off the island and cast away. Finally, I finish it up and the team arrives 
home and my work of art is sitting right in the middle of the locker room. The coaches had filled in everybody on the joke, so all the players are avoiding eye contact and looking straight to their lockers to try not to laugh. Finally, the assistant coach's wife walks in and asks me, have they told you that, that they are joking yet? <laughs> the entire team and coaching staff loses their mind in laughter, and I am stunned. This was the moment. Uh, this moment was the first time it even crossed my mind that this wasn't a serious project to help the team win. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like Noah. Oh, my God. That was good. The, the dude built it. He, he was cutting down trees, T. <laughs> He's cutting down trees. Got to be a better approach. Did he get get reimbursed on the hardware? Did he save his receipts? That's the question I have. There's no way he Um, got reimbursed. No, that's his own fault. That's that's his own stupidity. We were a top three team and had just cranked out a hard fought win at home against a team on the rise, but that we should have easily beaten. Our coach is nuts, so the players weren't sure if he would be mad at the fact the game was close or happy we played hard and remained undefeated in conference. Coach comes in and is yelling like crazy at how well we played, but his tone sounds pissed. In the middle of this strange five-minute rant, he completely rips off his slacks as if they were warm-up pants. He is now yelling to the team in sweaty underwear and a suit jacket with his destroyed slacks on the floor. It was so fucking weird. Nobody could pay attention to what he was saying for the next five minutes, and we were all looking at each other thinking, this is really gross and weird. The coach's son was also a manager at the time, and he could not be more weirded out. So that's the story. The coach, coach ripped <laughs> off his slacks. <laughs> and the post gave me. Hmm. You know what it says here? That was uh, Coach K. Oh, nice. Perfect. It says uh, that was Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, interesting. He likes oh. to throw chairs. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I'm just confused <laughs> to the physics of it. Yeah, like, it doesn't make much. Come yeah. off. It's, it's a lot. I'm, you pull, he pulled from the pockets, maybe. Like if you grab a, a big handful <laughs> of the pockets and like, I don't know. Or is it the rip pants? You he know, had, the button pants all the way up? The old sweatpants? Well, that's what he's saying. He, he he pulled them off like that, but he didn't. But they weren't those. But pants, slacks are slacks. Like I think yeah. the story said I don't they're know. just straight up slacks, and he ripped them off. I don't know. That's that's a that's a cheaply made suit. If you can rip them off that easily. All right, we have two more tape. Yeah. I was an assistant. I was a student assistant at a D two at a D two school in Ohio. When we went on road trips, one of my responsibilities was to arrange the team lunches and dinners. On a road trip to Nashville, the school we were playing against had a subway right outside of campus. Our coach asked me to order lunch on the road. So when we got there, they would be ready for the players. The, the, the meal would be ready for the players during scout film. I heard, I searched for subway near the school we were playing and found one two miles away. I confirmed with the assistant coach that that was the correct subway. Fast forward to after practice, myself and the coach went up to, went to pick up lunch in the, his wife's car. Turns out I didn't order lunch from the subway outside of campus. Instead, I ordered lunch from the subway inside the Nashville Adventure Science Center two miles away. Mm. Coach and his wife are laughing at me and filmed the entire process. The front desk lady at the Nashville Adventure Science Center was going to make me pay $20 admission ticket just to go pick up the subs, but she ended up giving me a pass as long as I, quote, didn't look at any of the dinosaurs on my way. Needless to say, I got the subs, took a pic with the dinosaurs, and made it to scout film on time. I'd do anything for this team. <laughs> that's dedication. So that's a that's an NCAA violation, I think. Yeah, you, you yeah, did not they, pay for admission into the science into the dinosaur exhibit, yeah. and you took a picture with the, the dinosaurs. Always I'm, keep your I'm, receipts. Uh, call them bullshit. Yeah. All right, this one's my favorite. This is the best one. This this is the one we would be giving a t shirt, a duffel bag to if Kyle got his shit together. And uh, come on, Kyle. God damn it. And, yeah, come on, Kyle. Dang, Kyle. 
Can't. We were playing a school. <laughs> we were playing a school who had a demonstrative coach. Oh God, take get ready for this one. I just remember what story this is. We were playing a school who had a demonstrative coach, who our coach was visibly annoyed with every time we played them. So our coach installed a play in practice that was very similar to one of our current sets. However, instead of throwing a long pass to the corner, the ball was to be intentionally thrown about three feet to his left. Nice. The movement. The movement of the play should cause the opposing coach to be looking at the baseline for a few moments, leaving his face exposed to an errant <laughs> pass. Our coach was very proud of his plan. With five minutes left in the first half of the game, the opposing coach was hollering more than necessary, and our coach called the play. We ran it to perfection, and the result was a very satisfying chess pass to his right cheek. The coach sat his ass down and didn't say much for the rest of the half. It probably helped that they had a healthy lead on us. Based on his expression, I'm pretty sure he knew that the Aaron pass was intentional, but I doubt he knew he, we spent 20 minutes in practice implementing the play. <laughs> That's <laughs> and a- then he adds, we, we didn't win a lot of games that season. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Jason Kidd move to draw that up in practice, to try the, to throw something at a coach. It, the coach is definitely Calipari, right? Yeah, th- that is that is de- Jason Kidd was the one who did the fake. Uh, yeah, the fake, the fake ice. Yeah, he's like walk oh into me, God. walk into me. Yeah, that that was the best one. That uh, is so. Fu- that is that is definitely <laughs> a thing a coach would do too. I I, I completely believe that story. A hundred percent believe that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially if it's Cal, it feels like a Kevin Stallings Vanderbilt play. Um. So thank you for sending us stories again. I'm going to reiterate. I we do get all your stories. We're going to read some of the ones. Like if you send us a story the very first week and you're like, why are they not read mine yet? It might be coming. Um. We, I, I cut out a lot of them, and it, there's really no rhyme or reason. Sometimes there is, sometimes they're not. But be patient. We'll get to it. Uh, maybe one day. Well, maybe I'm saving it. F- yeah. Maybe one day we'll do a whole podcast, just dirty laundry podcast, and you can you can yeah. have the floor and yeah, we'll we'll yeah. run through the whole thing. I, I didn't forget about you. So we're waiting for Frey to drop the bag. Our, our our friends at Frey who are trying to sponsor the podcast, but Kyle keeps blowing blowing the interaction. Um, we're waiting for them to drop the bag. Skype so them back, Kyle. Come on. Some, yeah, come on, Kyle. I don't like that Kyle's not talking every time I call him out. Also, he's just. <laughs> I think he's hiding from us. It's, it's terrifying it's not me. Gonna yeah, it's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good. I feel like we're starting a take the snake thing, and there's like, got to be an equivalent for Kyle. Coming. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows who you are, though, Kyle. Nobody, nobody has even made the connection. Like two people, I think, have made the connection that you're you are the same Kyle from another realm in the Ringer universe. Like people, people haven't even. I don't know. So the jig um, is up, then, huh? All right. All right, Tate. Do you have any? Do you have any shout outs before we close this up? Uh, I want to shout out to the Dallas Mavericks. They made a great trade. They got both Ames High School legends, Harrison Barnes and Dougie McBuckets, on the Dallas Mavericks. Get the trade in uh, in, in the massive trade sequence yesterday i have another shout out that i want to give to rodney hood rodney hood predicted he was going to get traded Mm -hmm. of course lebron james wants to team up with the duke guy congratulations to rodney hood for being the token duke player on the Cavs. now um those are probably my biggest shout outs what about you no we're stop it we're we're out on the nba now after last week after last week's uh uh yeah the the people cannot they they don't want us to talk about nba anymore tate I'm Stop just it. I'm just giving my shout outs. Those those are all college affiliations that have to deal with the NBA. That that's the problem with the NBA. They they don't recognize and respect we, the colleges that they have uh, right. to put them there. We we accidentally did like a whole NBA draft podcast last week and people were not happy and so yeah, What's worse is that uh, uh producer Kyle cut out all this uh Luca stuff so everyone was mad at us that we, we don't know anything about Luca and it's you Ooh, were right about that, Doncic 
instead of Donkic or whatever. Did I pronounce it right? You pronounced Donchich? it right. Yep. And it's because I thought he was Croatian, so I was pronouncing it like he was Croatian. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to everyone out there. You know, I get confused sometimes with these Eastern European countries. You're too smart. Yeah. Are you, are you saying you're too smart yeah, and you know I'm, Croatian? I'm saying I'm just trying to, to appease the audience yeah. and, and appease the cultural uh, expectations of each country, so I apologize for that. My bad. Hey, we need to, we need to bring up St. John's beating Villanova. Of course. Uh, are you while you're while you're apologizing? Do you want to apologize to all the bad things you said to, about Chris Mullen uh, that he, he can't coach <laughs> and he's in over his head? No, uh, because he's now beaten Duke in the last in five day span. He beat Duke and Villanova. I love Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen right now is only, he's on the ballot for coach of the year. I do have to say a quick thing about uh, th- those wins. I do believe in conspiracies. I think that he's, college basketball. He's on the ballot for coach. Yes, absolutely. He's on the ballot for two, coach of the two, year because he's, two he's literally wins. a coach. Every ballot. <laughs> Every vote for every him, coach folks. is on the ballot. Vote for him, folks. The man. So I saw I saw some people spinning it this way. Uh, the, the the one the most notable example of this was a uh, friend of the program, Rob Doster, who who has a podcast that I on with NBC. Uh, friend of the program, uh, but he 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 spun it as though this is actually bad for Mullen. That how can you beat Duke and Villanova back to back and also lose to everyone? How can else? you have the talent? Yeah, how can you have the talent to beat those two teams, but also go on an eleven game losing streak in the Big East? So I, that was an interesting take, Rob. And, and he actually, I kind of bought into it. Like, how is Chris Mullen? If, if this team is obviously talented, they got Shamori Pons, who incredible guy. Like, NBA love that player. kid. I, I, I'm yeah. very excited. I'm very excited for the uh, the the excitement for next year's St. John team. Where I don't I don't know if Pons is Pons good enough to get drafted this year. I don't know. I think he's he coming back. It depends how many people remember these performances. I mean, he obviously played well against right. Duval. Duval. Uh, and so that, Duval. That, that'll see if that works out. Uh, I also want to say Villanova and Duke, they want St. John's, these private schools, they're all colluding together. They want St. John's to be the program in New York. Syracuse is, is going down right now a little bit. Bayheim obviously is running, running oh, his shit. course there. So I think they threw both these games. Villanova needed a loss to get them back in focus. Obviously, they didn't have Pascal uh, and, and Phil Booth's not there either. But I think Duke and Villanova, they're fine to lose those games. It gives St. John's relevancy, and now they're they're the team of New York. So that's my conspiracy. Ooh, I, I'm 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 definitely in on that conspiracy. You took it to the next level. I, I definitely was in on the conspiracy that Villanova threw the game because Pascal sitting out. Like the reason he missed the game was because of a concussion. Yeah. Which if if you're trying to to sit out a game and and give your guy rest, like like Villanova has a, a five man rotation at this point, like they they'll throw they they have to throw Gillespie in the rotation because Booth is out, like you said, and and they throw Cosby Roundtree in there too. Like if if you ask Jay Wright, how many guys do you want to play? It's it's the core six. It's Divincenzo and the guys who are usually the starters. He doesn't want anybody else to see the floor, but he just feels like he has to. But he knows that like by March, these guys are going to be burnouts. They're going to be exhausted playing thirty eight minutes a night. So he's going to start buying rest for for his players. It started with Pascal. He said, "What's an injury that we can say where we sit you out? Because in college you can't you can't rest guys. Mm-hmm. You can't do the the Popovich move and say we're just gonna we're just gonna rest you." So he says, "Oh, we'll say you have a concussion because then that way you can come back the next game. Like a concussion is something you recover from in one day. It's, it's there's no link. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not buying it. But I, that's interesting that you you say the whole the whole uh, New York situation. Chris Mullen build taking over." Cut into cut into uh Saint to Syracuse's territory. I like that. Um, shout out to Tennessee sweeping Kentucky for the first time since 1999. Uh, shout out to Cincinnati who held Central Florida to 13 points in the first half. You and I don't talk a lot about Cincinnati because they kind of don't play marquee games. They're in a shitty conference that um they kind of have to get out of. 
but they're not going to. And that sucks. Like Wichita, it's so funny how like Wichita state, that was a huge step up and Cincinnati's like banging their head against the wall. Like how the hell did we end up in this conference? (laughs) And meanwhile, UConn is like, are we a good program? I don't know. Are we sure we're good? What's going on with us? Uh, but Cincinnati holds UCF to 13 points. Incredible defense. I love that we were told that this this year's Cincinnati team would be different and they would be offensive minded. And now they're just back to back to playing defense. Cincinnati, Mick team. Cronin, yeah, everything you'd expect. Being, yeah. Um, and then I wanted to give two more shout outs. One to Jalen Adams, not the UConn one, the St. Bonaventure one. Back to back 40 point game state. That's hard to do. That's <laughs> that is crazy. And then uh, take that. I don't know if you young. saw this. A dude on uh, Louisiana Tech got ejected from a game for basically he blocked a shot and then he later dunked, and that was pretty much it. And there was no – that's all there is to the story. You have to look up the video if you don't know what I'm talking about on Twitter. Just ser- search like Louisiana Tech ejected on Twitter or something like that, and the video will pop up. Um, did you see this, Tate? No, I'm looking at it right now. Oh. Uh, this kid, he, he basically, he blocks a shot and, and he gets a technical for like taunting. I don't really, it, he wasn't even looking at anybody. He wasn't doing anything. I don't know the guy's name. And then he, uh, and then he, in like in the second half, I want to say he, he gets a, a breakaway dunk, kind of dunks with a defender sort of near him, just looks at the defender. And as soon as he looks at the defender, the, the ref from the opposite side of the floor gives him the second tee, ejects him. Um, yeah, t- tough night for him. Poor Charlotte 49ers. The last time Charlotte 49ers were in the news for college basketball besides this was when Michael Beasley almost went there. Do you remember that? With Bobby Lutz? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that, that could have been the backdrop of the century, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, any more shout-outs for you? And then we'll get the games to watch. That's it. That's it. All right. Game, That's all I got. Games to watch this week. Uh, this Saturday, tomorrow, noon on Fox. Butler at Villanova. Uh, that should be a fun one. Butler has won what? The past Butler- three over Villanova? Yeah, Butler has Villanova's number. Yep. There's so many. This this so it's so fascinating how all these matchups happen. How how Butler can beat Villanova and Duke always seems to beat Virginia. That was like the big thing this year that Virginia actually beat Duke. And I, I think I messed up the one we were talking about last week. If Virginia would run the table, I said Louisville always gives Virginia a good game. I got that mixed up. Virginia always beats Louisville, and then Virginia beats Carolina too, right? But Duke beats Virginia. Ohio's I don't know. I, Basically, the point is, Tate, I'm always fascinated how, like, all these trends, like, they're not necessarily rivalry games, yet, for some reason, like, two programs get together, like, there's always some crazy shit that happens, but and uh, we were, Butler is definitely an example of that with Villanova. Yeah, and we should say that we talked about Michigan State and, and Purdue having this tipping point in the season where Purdue could fall off. I mean, Villanova could lose back-to-back, too, if they fall uh, against Butler, but it's obviously at home, yeah. so those are the two teams to watch, Villanova they, and Purdue, the one and two seeds may uh, have a rough weekend. They still have a... They still have Xavier. They still have to go to Xavier too. Yep. Villanova does. So a little later. Uh Purdue, speaking of Purdue at Michigan State, that game's on at Saturday as well. That's gonna be huge game, massive game. Uh one seed implications for sure. Um Michigan State, like if you actually look at their tournament resume, Tate, their best win is North Carolina. Like that's their only win kind of mm-hmm. right now that actually matters. So are we sure Michigan State's good? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh this is this is huge for for the Spartans. Um Virginia Tech's at Virginia. That's the game day game, six fifteen ESPN. Uh, I think Virginia's going to win kind of easily, but you know it's a rivalry. Anything can happen. All that kind of shit. And then the big one, Tate. The two teams that you are very much out on, <laughs> and I'm going to get you wrote back in after this one. Gonzaga at St. Mary's, ten p.m. ESPN Saturday night. Uh, St. Mary's is ranked like eleventh. I I I I. I 
was very I, I I was out on them after they lost to Washington State. Now you're back on their jock. I think I'm back. I think I'm back in. I'm back on the jock. We'll see. Uh, but Gonzaga, but both these teams, I don't really know how good they are, and I don't say that in like a joking way. Like I, I think people say these about these two teams every year because they're mid majors and kind of roll your eyes. But like last year, I knew Gonzaga was. I thought Gonzaga was the best team in the country, and they were actually legit. I honestly have no idea how good this Gonzaga team is. I have no idea how good St. Mary's actually is. Um, so I don't know. At least, at least we'll kind of get a better idea tomorrow. So watch night, it and so you'll learn nothing. <laughs> well, no one is better than the that's other. It. That's the answer. Um, anything else before we go? Uh, shout out to Isaiah Hicks, national champion for North Carolina. First game with the New York Knicks last night. Hit a nice little bucket. Oxford zone. Congratulations. That's all I have. Shout out to the 7% of real followers I have on Twitter. I'm back. It's good to, it's good to be back interacting with you guys. Uh, and until next time, save the food.